Welcome to Project Blue, a podcast about the people, companies, and ideas changing the way we think about and manage our global water resources. My name is Matt. And I'm Alexandra. Join us as we explore innovative technologies defining the future of water. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the first episode. Alexandra and I are really excited to start this journey and bring you all along for the ride. Our guest today has a fascinating story of building a water technology company that is changing how utilities approach improving water usage monitoring. In 2015, Sarp Sekiroglu attended Startup Week San Diego with an idea in mind. He pitched Water Pigeon one second place and has been growing his company since. I'll let him share the rest. Hi Sarp, welcome to Project Blue and thank you so much for joining today. Thank you, thank you. It's my pleasure. Well, I'm excited to discuss Water Pigeon and your journey as a startup in the water industry. But first, would love to get a background on you and how you got involved with water to begin with. (laughs) That's a good question. Good start. Um, I am originally from Turkey and I got my undergrad uh, in Ankara, Middle East Technical University. And uh, once I was done with that, I came to San Diego State uh, to do my master's in civil and environmental engineering. So with the training I got in Turkey and the training I got here, once I graduated, I started uh, for working for a company uh, in San Diego called RBF Consulting. And uh, that the project that got me on, uh, on, the, on the, with the company was a seawater desalination project in Monterey. Um, you know, I was started as an assistant engineer and worked there for 10 years, went all the way up to project manager uh, with that project. And that was, you know, starting in 2004, and that project has not been implemented yet, so it's still going, but I I got out of it. So, you know, my work experience, basically my education and my work experience got me um, very involved with water, with water resources. And so you were working as a consultant on this desal project, and I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm sure got exposure to a wide variety of other things. How did the idea of water pigeon get planted? (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, after 10 years at RBF Consulting, I basically said it was a good time for me to start something on my own. Uh, the business environment, the water environment in San Diego uh, was and still is very suitable for small companies. I would encourage any engineer to do that because we have a very large projects that keeps the large engineering firms very occupied. And there's a lot of other small projects. So I saw that and I started a consulting firm on my own, basically a one-man shop, um, and did that for a couple of years. And during that time period, I was working as a sub to a bigger team, and we were working with City of San Diego. And what I observed there was basically we were responsible for optimizing the meter reading department and the metering guys and maintenance crews. And uh, that showed me the inefficiencies that they struggle with every day. They were low on staff, back you know, in time and technology. And ultimately that brought the idea of water pigeon to me, which was reading the meters, old meters with cameras. And you know, did some research and it turned out that it was tried, people tried to do it in the past, but they didn't have the right approach. Uh, people tried it in the past with a, Oh, it's not kind of an optical solution, not really reading the meter, but they tried to count the needle and stuff like that. They had shots at it, but never got to uh, a large uh, company or a, an idea that came to fruition. And what I realized was it's mostly in the go-to 
marketing and knowing the, your market. Um, because if you are a technical team that doesn't know the water industry, it will be very hard to take it into the market and be successful. So our team is very experienced in water. So that's, you know, how, what we take most pride of. Uh, um, so that idea basically turned into Water Pigeon. And I did a couple of other startups in the past, nighttime jobs, and that didn't work out pretty well because I did not and wasn't spending enough time on those projects. And once the idea of Water Pigeon came about and we saw the potential, uh, we got uh, approval, let's say, from incubators like Ibonexa saying, that's a good idea. Why don't you come in and incubate? Uh, once we had that, I knew that I have to put aside everything and spend my entire time and more on Water Pigeon to make it into a company. Hmm. So what is that problem that Water Pigeon is seeking to fix in the traditional advancement to AMI metering infrastructure? So maybe it would help if you could briefly explain, you know, the, the standard types of meters and how they're read. Um, sure. And then how water pigeon fits into that to be able to solve a new problem. Definitely, definitely. So the, we have a lot of, I mean, our infrastructure has been built a long time ago and we have meters in the ground for decades, um, which gives us meters that are decades old. So what happens is these meters are designed, let's say 60% of the country almost uh, still is read manually. So the water meter goes out, takes a look at the meter, takes down the numbers, takes it back to the office and that creates a water bill. So you have an analog meter in the ground, and if you want to install the traditional AMI, then you have to change that with a meter that has a digital out, then you keep it with a radio and antenna, and most of the time a fixed network, or nowadays the cellular connections are getting popular too. So that requires a lot of plumbing, and we are all aware of our labor rates and plumbing rates and what that costs to go to each meter and change and swap a meter. Uh, and then install a, if you're doing a fixed network, install a network to collect that data back. That all costs a lot of money, requires a lot of project management and very challenging, challenging to operate. So we saw all those hurdles for the utilities and that's the reason why they couldn't pull the trigger on a lot of projects. They do a lot of feasibility. They did release a lot of RFPs, but it just didn't come to life. And we saw that in San Diego, Oceanside is now going forward after years and years. City of San Diego is struggling with their AMI project after years and years. And North Carolina, you've got a bunch of cities over there that are trying to release an RFP and accept an RFP. That's very challenging because of all the moving pieces in it. So we saw all this and our approach is basically reading the meters going on top of them, literally, and attaching to the face and taking a photo of the meter face. So what that does is that gives you a few things. One, you're not changing the meter. So your old meter, yet accurate meter, is still reporting and still in the ground. So we didn't do any plumbing. Um, as we use cellular networks, you don't need a fixed network. You can be on there. You could be moved around. You could be moved from one meter to another meter if needed. And uh, we don't, like other AMI companies, we don't really go in and say, I'm gonna change your billing, I'm gonna change your customer management, I'm gonna change everything, it's gonna be great. We don't do that. We go in there and our goal is to help you generate that data from those existing meters. And you can either, you wanna change something. Yes, we have partners. I can bring you a bunch of consumer facing companies or uh, billing companies, but 
we don't provide it. I'm here to get in, provide you data. So we streamline the process. And what we've been doing recently is was especially focused on special applications. And what I mean by that is those are applications where it's really challenging for the utility to address the meter reading problem. And what I mean by that is imagine a meter in confined space. Confined space entry requires two people minimum, one spot up top and one guy going down into a meter. We have one in San Diego. You open it up, you aerate, you sniff, make sure the air quality is good. You go down, you take your reading and you come up. And with the drive time, you cost the utility $700 in man hours. So with our approach, you don't have to change that meter. These meters are usually large. Just snap on it. You never have to go in there. The ROI is literally one trip, one month. It will pay back for itself. Um, Or meters that are far away that you don't want to drive 30 minutes just to get one reading, you know. Mm-hmm. That's another advantage of our technology is we use seller and we go on any meter. You don't have to buy the whole thing. You don't have to install the whole thing. You can piecemeal and pick the most challenging ones, and then we can deliver that data to you. Interesting. So I know for a lot of utilities, they have AMI meters, but some of their meters are out in hilly areas, and they're mm-hmm. not able to actually ping off the radio towers to get those reads. So some of those meters may be on a, a manual reading system or truck reading system, is Water Pigeon able to go into those hard to read areas as a kind of application and be able to get those reads on a consistent basis like their AMI meters and the rest of the network? Mm-hmm. Well, it all depends on the seller coverage, right? Mm-hmm. You, you build a network in the fixed network situation. Uh, we know a utility in San Diego, I won't name any names, but they thought they were going to start with six collection towers. Now they have 600. Uh, so it's really hard to design uh, a fixed network, and if, especially if you have hilly areas, right, just like you mentioned. Uh, but if you already have Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint out there that have figured that out and you have good coverage, and I'm not saying it's always the case, but you usually have good coverage from at least one cellular network, then we would connect and solve that problem, yes. Wow. Um, and so how does the data transmission process work. You have essentially a camera that takes photos of the read of that meter uh, at specific increments, um, and that is transmitted back through cellular networks back to the utility. Can you describe that process a little more? Sure, sure. There's a little bit more detail in there. So one, we can, just like you said, we can take remote uh, photos at different frequencies up to 15 minute intervals, uh, you know, four times a day, six times a day, 24 times a day, 96 times a day. And we can change that remotely for each meter, each individual meter. Um, And uh, the process as it runs is we take a photo of the meter face on the frequency, right? We collect the data all day. And at the end of the day, we dump all that data to our uh, cloud because what we do is we run the optical character we digitize the meters the photos to numbers in our cloud and then we transmit that reading and the photos to the utility facing dashboard so the utility get to get to work in the morning they'll fire up their dashboard they can see you know on a map they can see all the meters they can see all the readings and they can actually click on and see the photo of that reading as well so so how do you get a a utility which, you know, let's say is a little slower moving, more risk averse to um, adopt a, a new innovative technology. Um, 
that's the million dollar question <laughs> in a startup water startup world but it's not uh, a sample of maybe one utility it's majority of the utilities are that way uh utilities are risk averse for a reason uh we appreciate that because they it's our lives at stake when it comes to water but it does conflict with keeping up with the times it does conflict with adopting new technology it does conflict with a little bit of being innovative uh, and we see that we see that when there's an incumbent like a big company that's been doing this for years and you come up with an alternative way uh, you go to the utility and they go yeah you're too small and i've been here a hundred years how long have you been around you know when you hit these hurdles it's really hard to go to the next step so we tried that and we actually one of the, that's one of the reasons we pivoted from addressing the entire town and entire residential meter network that's why we pivoted to uh, special applications because we understand the utilities as i mentioned i know there are tough meters to read out there i know they're concerned about their meter readers security safety is he going to slip and fall or is it going to hurt his back because he needs to pick up that 200 pound lid to get to that meter down below um so that's what we address and as i mentioned the roi before the the money spent on man hours is one thing but we also address to um name it we also address to Again, safety of people not in being in confined space, less driving time, less exposure to accidents or anything like that. Now you're not in the field going from home to home and the COVID times, it's important to reduce field time. So you help with that. And then um, also the, the uh, disputes between either a client or between clients and wholesale meters, we can solve that and help that too. Someone calls up, says, my meter is wrong. With a traditional AMI, you tell them, no, it's reading X. And they go, no, it's not. Send over a guy and you have to send someone. And with the photo, we don't have to. You just show them, look, no, no, it really reads what it says. Here's the photo. So it allows the speed resolution remotely as well. So we take these, we bundle these up, and then we go, okay, look, I know you're a big system. I know you have a lot of things to do. Let me take this off of your plate. So that's what we're trying to do. And we try to basically pick up the meters or pick up the problems they have and help them to solve those. I would, I would love to rewind the clock a little bit and go back to the early days of starting Water Pigeon. All right. um, and I would be fascinated to hear, you know, your perspective of what it was like in those early days of, of having this idea, knowing there's something there, hitting the ground running with it. Um, did you balance it at the time with your independent consulting practice? Um, did you, you know, dive into this and, and what were those early days like? One thing I learned from, as I mentioned before, the past tries of websites. Um, by the way, those two ideas, I had a website idea and an app idea, which okay. are now both very successful companies that someone else did, right? <laughs> I had the idea, tried it, failed at it. And then two years later, you see this booming company over here. And I, I thought about that, you know, I even <laughs> implemented that. Uh, same goes with the app idea I had. I mean, good friends of mine, I mean, it was coincidence that, but I, the app idea I had in the past was using our smartphones as a museum guide. You don't need to use other people's headsets. You don't have to buy it. You buy the additional guide on your phone, use your own headphones, walk around, the phone tells you about every exhibit in there, right? Mm -hmm. That was my idea. Um, I tried it. I tried it for a year or so, and I gave up on it eventually. 
Then I started Water Pigeon. And when I started Water Pigeon, I said, okay, look, I tried in the past and this has the potential to become big. And the, I see the potential to be big because it helps the utilities, creates data, creates the people who can have access to that data and it saves our most precious resource. It could be very, very useful. So once that decision is made, okay, we're going into this, what I did was I pulled the trigger, right? I had a project going on with my consulting gig. I winded that down, finished it up, delivered all my deliverables, and then focused fully on Water Pigeon. Uh, that was challenging for a little bit because if you don't have funds and if you don't have funds personally backed up uh, and saved, then it can be a little stress on the family and personal life with funding. So we were able to, in a few months, come up with a prototype, get a pilot going, and we leveraged that pilot. And fortunately, we were able to raise our first angel round, which then allowed us to financially at least survive. You know, in a startup, you don't really make a lot of money early stages. You just survive. We're still in survival mode. Yeah. But one, yeah. one, one, uh, one thing that I want to point out, though, is I met, uh, we were an Evo Nexus incubator. Mm -hmm. which was very, very helpful to us. And then I'm at a company there called Guru App. I'm like, hey, what do you guys do? And he's like, oh, yeah, we make uh, apps for museums. And I said, what? <laughs> that was my idea. But they were really nice guys, good <laughs> friends of mine. And, you know, because they partnered up with Evo Nexus, part of an incubator, and because they had good mentors, mm -hmm. they start, and if I remember them the right in six months or so, they tied a deal with San Diego Museum of Art. They tied a couple deals and they reached up to like $40,000 a month in revenue. And I go, that's how it's done. You put all your effort in, you become a part wow. of incubator, become a part of an ecosystem. The resources. At the, yeah, exactly. And then they, hopefully their business is still booming. I mean, well, with the COVID, it might got some, you know, cuts, but uh, they were doing quite well before COVID and all the best to them. They were a great company. So that's, that's how it is. Early stages, you got to commit 100%, yeah. 100%, and then you can turn something into reality. And so what was, what was the process of trying to, you know, find your first employees? How did you attract talent when, you know, at, at the beginning stages? Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did that, how did that work? Uh, we were, I was very fortunate. Uh, I was very fortunate that the people I worked with uh, in the past, um, you know, in the utility world, you need that experience and you need that personal connection. So our early employees were Paul and Gary, Paul Finley and Gary Eaton, for example. Paul was my first boss at RBF that hired me and I worked for him for 10 years. And then he recently retired. And he retired with 40 years of experience in the utility world as a consultant. And then uh, Gary Eaton, uh, he was the chief innovation officer at San Diego County Water Authority. He was still there he, when he took our product and took it to a pilot. He was very helpful. And in the process, he retired. And once he retired, uh, I'm like, hey, Gary, come over. Come over and work for us. So he did for a while, for over two, three years. Uh, and their experience and personal connections were very, very fortunate for us because they, you know, when you're a startup in the water world, as I mentioned before, if you're young, how long are you going to be around? How long is this going to mm -hmm. work? But you bring in the experience of them and their credibility, that opens up more doors. And then, of course, we have Kyle, which is our 
greatest resource, young, energetic, knows everything, can build anything from scratch. Um, and we met Kyle in the incubator. He was working for another company and he was done with that process. And they were like, hey, Kyle, here's Kyle. We want to meet with him. We met with him and then we offered him first part-time, then full-time immediately because he was in still is the perfect fit for the company. He's our He's our basically um, a superhero wild card. He can do anything uh, that is required. So, <laughs> Any job, he gets it done. Exactly. I, I need five more Kyles. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine you wear many hats over there. So we all that, do. that leads into the next question is, you know, as co-founder and CEO, what roles do you find yourself most frequently putting on? And I, let me specify in, you know, I, I understand you guys must, constantly be evolving the technology um, and working on um, the next prototype and how to improve it. Um, but also, you know, trying to get um, new revenue, new customers, new utilities mm-hmm. to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, d- how do you divide up, you know, your time and your priorities in product development versus new business versus the many other hats that you must put on? Right. Right. Uh, as you mentioned, prioritization is the key here. And one of our mentors at very early stage in Evo Nexus uh, was his, his suggestion was, and not suggestion, but his advice to us was, there's one thing that CEO should keep in mind at all times, and that's money, 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 right? So as a priority, my highest priority is how can we increase sales? How can we get more units in the field? Uh, and turn this into a sustainable company. And along with that, uh, fundraising and bringing more funds if the revenue is not catching up so that we can have more fuel, more runway to, as you said, develop the product and take it to the next level. Now, having said that, it doesn't really end with that. As a small startup, administrative tasks are there. You know, I'm the HR, we use Trinet and I have to manage that. Uh, fortunately, I have Steve, he's taken over a lot of, uh, a lot of work as a COO, CFO, um, working with him and then reaching out to clients. Um, but I would say, most of my time is divided. My top priority is business development and sales and fundraising. Uh, and I keep everything under there at an equal, um, equal s- uh, split of my time. That includes washing the dishes, <laughs> doing the company barbecue, you know, <laughs> putting the grill, meat on the grill. So, you know, we're not a big Most team, but we're a family team. So we got to do all those. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, uh, sorry. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. There's a lot to learn from your journey and I'm excited to see where Water Pigeon goes. To wrap things up, where where should people go to learn more about Water Pigeon? And what are some of the last things uh, you'd like to leave as takeaways? Um, waterpigeon.com is our website. Um, that's one of the reasons the company's named Water Pigeon. It was available as a URL. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Actually, I can tell the story about that. Uh, we pick, we bounced around many names, uh, but we landed on Water Pigeon because pigeons were the first wireless data carriers, and we deliver water data. And we have Water Pigeon, um, and the URL was available, so that was a big thing. That's um, they can go to waterpigeon.com. They can do. Um, they can find me on you know my first name, last name. I won't even go into it, but uh, on Twitter. Um, and also, um, you can send me an email. I mean, sarp, S-A-R-P, at waterpigeon.com. As every other startup, it's your first name at the company name. Uh, so, so they can reach to me if needed. Um, what do I want to leave you with? Um, 
a, a couple of things maybe. And if, if there are people out there listening, uh, part of um, water startup world, uh, keep on going <laughs> because it's hard. The um, sales cycles are long. The technology implementation is hard, uh, but at the end, it's, I believe that it's going to be very rewarding because what we do as a water company is not only, we're not just another platform for specific shoe exchange people, right? Uh, yes, I value those too, I guess. But um, my point is when we, what we do in the water world affects lives of people, affects our most precious resource, either save it, conserve it, treat it, whatever we're doing. And it's the hardest sector to do business in with the utilities, you know, your sales cycles are very hard. And that it turns around and comes in as very hard to raise funds. So it's a very, very tough uh, industry to be a startup in. So hmm. message to them is we got to keep on, keep on rolling, keep on rolling so we can get to the other side. And I'm sure we need, all need that encouragement and support for each other. That is great to hear. All right. Well, thanks so much, Sarp. Really appreciate it. And that's it. Sarp has found an adaptable and affordable solution to remote meter reading and has proven to utilities that it works. Water Pigeon has adapted its business model, created a second generation prototype, and is now working with over 10 utilities. I hope you were able to take away as much as I was in this conversation. But if nothing else, remember Sarp's words of encouragement for other innovators in the water industry. Keep on rowing.